Good afternoon. Welcome to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. Let's take a look at what we see in the markets today. Kind of finished out the day with some some negativity on the trade once again, but the negativity was on both sides of the page as we look at both grain and livestock. I guess we can say that Minneapolis spring wheat might have been the bright spot with some positivity. A couple things that we're going to take a look at today is uh, really look a little bit more at this WASDE report of last week and South American weather and the Brazilian soybean harvest. I know a fellow farm broadcast friends of mine are in Brazil right now and and they were talking about how nice some of these crops looked. So we'll take a look at that and a whole lot more today. As Jeff Peterson joins us. He is with Heartland Farm Partners and let's talk about this WASDE report because I think there were still some surprises that folks are still looking at um, when we look at this report a few days later. What was your take on all those numbers? Yeah, there, there definitely was some surprises on that, Susan. You know, as we as we dug in, uh, we we really didn't see the decrease in the harvested acres coming. You know, for them to bring that down about 1.6 million acres, you know, that did surprise us. And and as a result of them doing that, uh, well, just to put that in context, that would be the the greatest decrease we've seen um, looking back through the data set on records for change from basically harvested acres in the January report, I think going all the way back to probably 74. So that was a big adjustment. And then accordingly, as you make that type of big adjustment, as you remove some of those harvested acres, obviously you're, you're reducing or you're removing lower yields as a result of that, that may have got been plugged in on, on some of that, or it may have been a zero in some cases, but as a result, we did see the yield come up. And so we were surprised by that yield coming up also. And then you move over on basically the demand side of the equation. And we knew, and just based on, you know, just the slowness of how exports have been going on the corn side, we knew that there'd probably be some type of adjustment. We were thinking maybe 50, 75 million bushels of adjustment lower on the on the export side on corn, but for them to come in 150 million, we, we think they might have actually overshot that a little bit, Susan. But it doesn't surprise us at all, because as we really kind of dig in and look at it, um, because of the adjustment they ended up making on acres, and then accordingly over there, they making the higher yield, that, that did reduce the production on corn about 200 million bushels. And as a result, anytime we see that type of big of adjustment happen, we you can almost be assured that over on the demand side, there's going to be some according adjustments made to, to kind of bring things in alignment. And, and that's exactly what ended up happening there. And as a result, you know, that ending stock number being down about 15 million, that, that was a positive and going forward, that's a little bit of a game changer. It It's not enough all of a sudden to open it up and say, oh, we're just going to continue to work, to work higher. But everybody coming kind of into this report was kind of thinking, you know what, we're going to probably see a little bit bigger um, X or a little bit bigger ending stock number. And maybe future ones down the road all of a sudden are even bigger yet. And, and this report showed, well, no, that isn't the case, actually. By us tightening this stock number up a little bit, now as we go forward what it does it brings up the idea of well if if corn exports actually overperform just a little bit um, if they're a little better than we expect, then maybe we see this ending stock number improve a little bit as we go down the road additionally. So with this wheat number though and, and I know we talked about it a little bit last week, but it takes nine lives on this wheat sometimes, but there's a lot of concern that we could see some changes in these US, these USDA numbers once we see dormancy come out of place. Well, I, I think so, and and uh, you know that bigger that bigger acreage number. I, I think in many cases, what you ended up seeing there was probably some stuff planned for insurance purposes, you know, and and none of the individuals did, did that had any ill intent, but they they know that it's going to be very tough for the, some of that 
we to, to actually make it. But you're right, uh, the market really won't react much at all to that because, you know, if we'd have been sitting here 25 years ago, I think there was a lot more attention to, you know, how cold it got and what were his conditions. But here anymore, it's really, you know, what's the conditions like when we break dormancy? We know as you look further in many of those areas where you've got that winter wheat that did get planted, Boy, they're under some very tough conditions. Uh, some of the stuff, you know, we've guys we've talked to, you know, they're going, uh, it didn't hardly even germinate, or if it did, it didn't germinate very well. And then, you know, in so many of those areas that haven't picked up snow, it just continues to get pounded by the winds, and it's just not in very good condition at all, Susan. What about South America? With We look at the, the big weather picture for them. What are you hearing? Yeah, that's that's a great question. So let's start off on the easier one, which would be Brazil. Uh, it still feels like to us there's about 15% of Brazil that's still, you know, hurting on moisture enough that it's impacting yield, probably more so corn than soybean yield. But there's about 40% of the of Brazil that's uh, setting right now with probably trend yields, and there's about 45% that's above trend yields. Now, we, we know that in those areas that are above trend yields, though, we, we still don't think that's probably enough to, to make a, a big offset to some of the big problems we're seeing down in Argentina. So then you move on down into Argentina. Now, it does look like conditions are changing, and that's what we have to keep a very close eye on here with Argentina is that it almost feels like, and we've seen these forecasts before, but it looks like we're going to pick up some maybe some additional rains, and it looks like the frequencies of those rains could improve because, really, if you think uh, about Argentina up until this point, it kind of been we get a rain, we go have some warmer than normal temperatures for about seven, eight days, maybe nine days, we get a rain, and so they've been limping along like that. But meanwhile, what's been happening is that the crop condition ratings continue to decline. They're getting to a, a critical point in here. And as a result of that, we continue to see the yields get pulled back on Argentina. And really, no one's been really too excited about increasing the yield too much on Brazil yet. The, the other side of that, that not only is the crop getting hurt down in Argentina be, because of those drier conditions, there's, there's also some soybean acres. Uh, there's probably maybe upwards of a million acres of soybeans that maybe we're about running out of time here to get them planted. Now, I think there will be a, a few additional acres planted if we do catch some rains here, but those will switch over to corn, Susan. All right, well, stick around, folks. We've got a lot more to look at as we continue here with the second half around the corner on the Fontenelle Final Bell. We're going to talk about some maybe changes going on when it comes to this grain corridor and things that we need to look forward to as we move forward into uh, really the second half of January on into February. And a lot more comes up. Stick around. It's the Fontenelle Final Bell on the Rural Radio Network. Results are in for 2022, and Fontenelle does it again. In farmer-managed trials this past season, Fontenelle's three top-yielding corn products had an 8.3 bushel advantage over Pioneer's commercially available leading volume products. That's a 68% win rate on farms just like yours. Contact your local Fontenelle hybrids dealer or go to Fontenelle.com to learn more. Results calculated using 15% moisture. Read and follow pesticide label directions, grain marketing, and other stewardship practices. Welcome back to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. We're continuing our conversation this afternoon with Jeff Peterson with Heartland Farm Partners, kind of focusing on what's been going on in the South. But do you see any big changes when it comes to the grain corridor? You know, we've been watching that very close. A few things that we're noticing here, you know, uh, yes, Russia remains and keeps that corridor open and between the agreement with Russia and Ukraine. But 
The big thing is, is that just the lineup, you know, in regard to the amount of time it's taking for inspections, it seems like it just keeps getting stretched out more and more. So to give you an example, some of the last numbers that we've seen, Susan, would indicate there's probably about 95, maybe 97 ships that need to be inspected. Now, keep in mind, they're inspected coming in and expected going out. And what it sounds like is that some of the wait times have actually pushed out towards 30 days. And what that's doing is that's really slowing up the amount of, obviously, the grain that's coming out there's still bushels moving out but it's slowing that up and then in addition to that then it's also increasing the freight cost because if you're going to send a ship in there they can get insured that's not a problem um, it's going to cost them more to go into that area but but what's happening then is just taking longer so that's actually increasing freight costs so it makes it so they aren't as competitive they're still very competitive out there and if you can get the bushels from there but a lot of people are going i don't know if i can tie up my ship that long and that, of course, causes some some big concerns when it comes to grain movement. But at the same time, does it maybe offer some opportunities for us? It does, and and that's a big thing going forward. So we know that in the, in the last segment we talked about the fact that the USDA did lower the the exports, but on corn, but we actually feel, and they did it on beans too, but on focusing on corn, uh, we actually are seeing the numbers we're seeing when you compare what the basis levels are at the Gulf, you compare those at the PNW, and you compare those to what we're seeing coming out of Brazil, and we're getting to a point in now we're very competitive probably February forward on corn exports. So if anybody needs any corn, um, we're going to have during the month of February, March, April, May, and then into June, we'll start seeing, depending on how that safrina crop is and keep in mind they're just planting that safrina crop now but but as a as a result we you know we should be very competitive there february all the way through part of june june they'll start ramping ex- exports again so we kind of get a window in there in which we'll be able to make some exports and kind of get things moving along so what do you see as some of the other biggest issues that we need to ke- kind of keep an eye on yeah, so big picture wise, we, we still really got to watch that South American weather really close and, and, and see if there's some additional rains come in. And, and if some additional rains do come into, you know, Argentina or if it looks like a pattern change down there, then, you know, that's going to take some pressure. You know, it's going to require to probably take some premium out of these markets. The other thing we're going to keep very close eye on is, you know, what does the snowpack look all across the U.S.? And everybody goes, well, what does that really matter? Well, we have to keep in mind here, we're already about, you know, a little over halfway through January, February, March, and then, you know, April planning time, um, we got to watch and see what do we think uh, prevent plant acres are going to be. And it's too way too early to know yet, but we're watching that snowpack across North Dakota, across parts of South Dakota and into Minnesota, because South Dakota and, Min- and uh, North Dakota plant uh, acres that can happen. So we want to watch that very, very close going forward. In addition, we do want to keep a very close eye on a couple things in Ukraine. One of them, we want to watch that green corridor and see whether or not that keeps going. But we also want to keep a close eye on what does it look like the financial conditions are going to be in Brazil, or not in Brazil, excuse me, in Ukraine as we come into the spring. And and what do their supplies look like? And what could the, you know, the world expect for acres to get planted on the corn? Because what we have to realize is that they only probably got, you know, probably on the hard red winter wheat side, um, acres planted were probably down 30, 35% in Ukraine. 
compared to where it would have been a year ago. So do we see something similar like that happen over on the corn side also, just because uh, financing's tight, inputs may be tight? Too early to know there, but we want to keep a close eye on that. We're also going to start hearing a lot more talk about acres, uh, corn acres. What's the mix going to be? You know, Obviously, you will have a prospective planning report that will come out in March, but you also have uh, some additional baseline numbers out, and at the end of February, uh, USDA will have their outlook. So, so those are some of the items that we're keeping a close eye on, Susan. So many wondering, especially after today when we saw a downward trend in, in these grain numbers, is there the possibility for corn and beans, though, to continue? to see some higher numbers as we move forward? Well, and that and that's a great question because, you know, we came out of the report and we had a really strong move. And actually the market, if you look at it, it settled, settled on corn first way off the highs. You know, yesterday had a high all the way up to 688 and three quarters, but then our close was down there at 681. And then we've had some follow through back to the downside. Um, we're going to have to. If we want to keep this market going higher, we do need to continue to feed it some positive information. And, and what the easiest thing would be is to have some weather problems out of South America. But we need additional information to, to make this thing keep going higher, Susan. Well, there's a lot of things that we, we looked at today on this market trade. What's the best way uh, for folks to get a hold of you? Yeah, give me a call at 402-366-4694. Check us out on the web at heartlandfarmpartners.com or follow me on Twitter at jeffpeterson01. All right, lots of great discussions. Always happening over there on Twitter, so make sure you're following along. As we always want to remind folks, commodity futures and options do involve a substantial risk of loss not suitable to all investors. And that is today's Fontenelle Final Bell, brought to you by Fontenelle Hybrids and all your local dealers on the Rural Radio Network.